Russian Christmas, everybody? I usually, like, I'm a staunch, like, when Christmas is over, on the 25th, I hate everything Christmas. Like, take the tree down. And this year, I'm like, keep it up. And so yesterday, when they started playing Christmas music again on 91.7, I was like, this is the best day of my life. So next year, I'm celebrating Christmas and Russian Christmas. If anyone wants to join me, just letting you know. But uh, it was sort of an honor. Last year, at this time, Jesse gave, like, a word for the year. And I was like, man, that's me this year, sort of. Like, it's the same time frame. I'm like, what am I going to do? And uh, so today, the word is old wineskins. That's a joke. No. <laughs> Jesse gave him a word that's still happening. We're seeing it. It's, but uh, I was just joking there. If anyone's not been here, the word for last year was new wineskin. Like, God's doing something new in this church. He's building us, expanding us. And so I made a joke, and no one got it. But I have a few things working against me today, which leads to a prayer request. My wife is sick, ill, throwing up. I am feeling the same way. So if I'm sweating, it's not because I'm nervous. If I'm shaking, it's not because I'm nervous. I do not feel well, but I'm pushing through this. And I really thought it was the devil. Because in all seriousness, when I thought about today and when I had the topic I was speaking on, and I was like, Lord, this is a word for this year. Like, he started revealing this thing to me. So I encourage you today to take this as a word for you. If not, I'm taking it as a word for me. But we've been going through our foundation series, and it's for someone who grew up in church, is a lot of familiar stuff to me. But every week when we speak about something, a topic, something new comes out and it blows my mind. So I encourage you today, there is a, this is a very familiar passage, but I encourage you to push past that with me and look for the something new in this. And uh, just listen. I mean, I had to do it when I prepared this message. Like uh, when Jesse gave me the options, I was like, I'll take this one. I was like, man, this is so familiar. And I had to really press it and go, Lord, what's new here? What am I missing here? And so that's what today is. But I'm going to quickly tell you a secret about public speaking. Uh, they tell you to build tension. And so I'm going to do that today. And you're going to think it's crazy. I'm going to do it. And sometimes it's like wearing crazy things just to build, like, what is that guy doing up on stage? Today I'm going to do it by giving you the title of my sermon. Ready? It's called I Love Crab Soup. And so I'm hoping that keeps you occupied. I'm going to get to that point. I'm just letting you know that's the title of my sermon. So... Turn with me to Matthew twenty-two, thirty-four. It will be on the screen as well if you don't want to turn in your Bible, but I encourage you to open your Bible and turn to it. I'm going to give a little backstory here. This is right after Jesus entered Jerusalem. He's cleansed the temple and he cursed the fig tree, and so the religious leaders are like, who is this guy? We don't like this guy. Let's start just challenging him. So in the previous chapter, the Pharisees come to him to start challenging him on everything. And so right before this, he answered and owned the, the Sadducees about the resurrection. They don't believe in the resurrection, which is why they're Sadducees. They're sad. <laughs> if you had nothing to look forward to, I'd be sad as well. But he answers them in parables and scripture. And right now, we're getting to the point where our story starts. So let's read. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so... Jesse's taking the love of your neighbor next week, so I don't have to do that, but we're going to focus on the first part today. But how many of you heard that before, the love? It's very familiar, very common. And so let's talk about love first. 
Because I think in our culture, we overuse and misuse the word love. So that love there is not like, I love cheeseburger, or I love my wife. I mean, it could be I love my wife, but we've misused it. It's like, we've made it sort of like this fluffy feeling inside of it. That's not what love is. That's not the biblical love. So in the Bible, in the New Testament, there's basically two versions of love. There's agape and there's phileo. Phileo is brotherly love, where we get Philadelphia from. It makes sense. This love right here is agape love. So the word love, when we say we love the Lord our God with all our heart, this is saying, regardless of anything, regardless of our situations, it's unconditional, it transcends circumstances, we love. That's tough. But I love that definition because our God, our love for God needs to transcend our circumstances in the good and the bad. We still show God our love in the good times. Sometimes we forget when things are going good, I find it the easiest to forget about God. Because you're like, I'm doing this on my own. I got a new job. Life is going good. I have a million dollars in the bank account. And we forget about him, but he calls us in that time unconditionally to love him. And then in the bad times, we always have this action that, in fact, I'm being honest, I do, of blaming God. Like, why is this happening? In those times, he's calling you to point your love and affection towards him regardless of what. And that's tough. And I, I agree. It's, it's tough to persist through circumstances. And I know I'm not just up here giving a sermon and not experiencing that. Uh, 2017 was the toughest year of my life. I'm going to tell you the circumstances, and I'm going to tell you what the Lord showed up and did. So January, my brother almost dies of a heart attack. February, my parents divorce. March, my father-in-law is diagnosed with thyroid cancer and then liver cancer. May, my mom is diagnosed with cancer. And through all of that, and then, well, I'll go on, it's sad, but I'm going to show you what God showed up and did. And all of that, and then my wife finds out the cancer is genetic. My wife has that cancer now, the gene to cause that cancer. I had to get a daughter tested. She has cancer. And I was sitting, or has a gene to cause cancer when she's older. So all of them have to get their thyroid removed at some point. So I'm sitting back there after the news of my daughter having the gene, and I'm in church, we're worshiping, and I am just stone-faced. I was like, Lord, I can't love you right now. And all of a sudden, I close my eyes, and I see this vision, and I, maybe you don't believe in this, but I do, because it happened, of this huge hand with this scalpel, and it came down and started like peeling off the layers of my heart. And in that moment, he said, choose love. And so even in the hard times, we have to love him unconditionally. And it's hard when you're going through things to realize that, but I'm telling you, ask the Lord, because he showed it to me. So... Uh, let's look through this passage a little briefly, and then I'll get to the main point of my message. But So I'm, I don't know Greek. I never took a class like Jesse, but I have Google. And Google's pretty good at telling me what words mean. So as like love, we have to look at what heart and soul and mind mean. Because, I mean, it's easy to think heart is your heart and your soul, just as your inner being and your mind, just what you think with. But the meanings of them transcend this verse and make it even better. So the heart is the word cardia, which makes sense, cardio, cardia. Uh, but the Bible never uses that word literally. It never actually means your heart. The word means the effective center of our being and the capacity of moral preference. It's the desire producer that makes us tick. So all our decisions, all our desires, have to point to loving God. That's when it says love God with all your heart. We have to bring our decisions to reflect the love of God. The direction we're moving our life in has to reflect the love of God. And everything should point to the love of God. And so, soul is the word psyche, which makes a lot of sense as well, sort of. It's a seat of feelings, desires, affections. In Latin, it's the word animus, 
where we get the word animated from. It's like the breath of life. So our desires, our feelings should point towards a love of God. Our love of God should be what gives us life. It should be what animates us. It's, and it should drive us to how we speak and how we act towards people. And so I always, at work, I'm always challenged because who thinks it's hard to act like a Christian at work? Sometimes I do. <laughs> Work's tough. Like I'm moving boxes around all day. I'm always challenged to go, is the love of God animating me right now? Like when people look at me right now in my situation at work when there's a billion boxes to unpack, do they see God's love? I want to challenge you with that today as I challenge myself every day with that. And then mind is the word, I can't pronounce this word, Jesse might help me, it's dianoia. Who knows? But it means thorough reasoning. I mean, basically using all of your mind, both sides of your mind, to come to a deep conclusion. And that's a tough one, because I think I love God. Like, in my head, I'm like, I love God. But when you really, you sit down and you have a deep thought of using everything, all your, you think of everything that's happened to you, does it point to a love of God? I love that. It's a deep thinking. It's weird. Because I don't think, out of all three, that's the one I was like, do I really love God with, like, all my thought and my deep conclusions, do that point to a love of God? Never thought of it that way. But all three of these are of equal importance. We can't love God without one or the other. Like, you can't just say, I love God with my heart. It needs to be your mind and soul. And our lives, our feelings, and our affections are all point to him. How we are animated to point to his love. And I think if I just ended my sermon there, uh, it wouldn't do any justice. I could have expanded all of those. But I want to get to the, the radical message that's intertwined in all these verses. And so, to that, I have to tell you a little story. I love board games. Anyone here love board games? I play them. Lots of people here have played me in board games, and I have this issue in board games. If I asked Jesse to describe Ben in a board game, he'd say, that guy just reads the rules when nothing's going in his favor to see if there's a rule that would turn it into his favor. I do it all the time, and the other week, we were up at Martin's house, and we were playing a game, and like, I could have won, and Jesse read the rules, and he understood it this way. I read the rules. I understood it a different way. And so I went home and like watched the video. I'm like, yes, this is how they're playing it. I was like, what are you talking about? I could have won. And I got mad. And so Martin's not here. So Martin, you lost. You lost that game. I won. But I do that. And so when I see the Pharisees and I see the people questioning him, if you remember, I spoke last year at some point how the Pharisees were so good at rules, they were tithing down to their mint and herbs. Like that's how much they wanted to follow the rules. They're like, I'm going to tithe everything. And so I relate to that Pharisee, to the Pharisees. I had to think about them. I'm like, man, I relate to them. I know what it feels like to want to keep the rules and make the rules in my favor to win. And so let's read just that first part again. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. So who asked him that question? A religious Jewish lawyer. What was that guy good at? The law. So... I can only imagine, like, the first part of that makes sense to them, that love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's in Deuteronomy. That's a commandment way back in the Old Testament. But in verse 40, when he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these, that's radical. I could just see their faces as he said that. And he, like, he did that to show them something. And so there are 613 Old Testament laws that they're supposed to follow, 613. They weren't asking that to, like, Get Jesus. There was a discussion in that day of which is the greatest law. And they wanted to know so they could follow it and be better than people. And so they were trying to trap him into saying, this law. And they'd be like, ha no, you're wrong, this law. 
And so there's a lot of good laws. I read through these laws. I looked them up. There's good and important ones like give to the poor, help the broken, don't love your wife's sister. Makes sense. They're all good. There are some ones like not to bow down before a smooth stone. And I was like, what? And then there's this one I love, and Jesse will love it as well. Set aside a gift of food for the priest. So I'm rewriting that to set aside food and coffee for the priest. And that rule is now in effect as the Elites Church. But then there's men must not wear women's clothing, so all skinny jeans, out. Out. Not to tattoo the skin. We'd lose half our church. Chad's. Hey, see ya. I'm just kidding. But actually, if you read that verse, people use that verse all the time to fight tattoos. It says not to tattoo your skin like idolatry. So people are like making marks for idols on their arm. That's what tattoos are. It's not that you can't get tattoos. I would get a tattoo if I could decide what I want on my body for the rest of my life. I can't do it. It's too tough. Then there's do not meet, eat meat of an animal that was mortally wounded. So all you hunters out there, done, gone. Do not cook or eat meat and milk together. No cheeseburgers. And also, no classical French cooking. That's all they do is cook stuff in milk. Gone. And then this is where it gets me. This is the one that gets me. And this is all going to make sense right now. Not to eat things that swarm in water. That's crabs. I, if you don't know, I was born and raised in Maryland, the state of Old Bay. Every summer was filled with crabs. This Christmas, I was back home, and my friend called me. He's like, hey, we're making crab soup. Come up. And I was like, Yes! And so I love crab soup. I could not follow these laws. I would be in sin. I would be not following the law. But I'm glad Jesus said what he said, not just because I love crab soup. It points to a different picture. Christianity is not a set of rules. Christianity is not about how many you follow or what the ones you break. It's about love. This is as radical now as it is back then. We still fall back into the law. Anyone fall back into the law? I love when Jesse talked about the veil today. Because I sat back there, I thought about it. Law creates the veil. Love tears that veil down. And so many times in our own life, we put that veil back in front of our face. Ourselves, we build it up because we think it's about rules. It is transformational when you realize that it's just about love. It will transform how you approach God. He's not looking for moral police. He's not looking for people to punish. There's nothing we can do to earn his favor of being right standing with him. And that is scandalous. How I, it affects how I live right now. So many times I'm like, I can't approach him because of the way I messed up that day. It's how we view ourselves and the lens through which we view others. So next week when Jesse talked about loving your neighbor, we can't love our neighbor if we think they're not following the rules. It's impossible. God isn't looking for it. And why do I know that? You know the word agape, the love we're talking about here. You know where it shows up again? A very, very, very familiar verse. Someone can guess it probably. John 3.16. So that unconditional agape love is the reason God sent Christ to the earth. He said, I don't care about the circumstance you're going through. I don't care about the sin you're in. Nothing can change my love for you. Nothing. And yet we walk around acting like we've changed something with God. I fall into it all the time. And so Jesus said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. That's in John 14. I'm going to turn there briefly, just because I think it's a great verse. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? 
Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Isn't that insane? So what we see in Jesus, the love he displayed for us, that his last, one of his last breaths on the cross was saying, Father, forgive them. That's not a rule keeper. That's love. That is insane love. It doesn't sound like an angry God. It sounds like a loving God. And I was at work this week. I work in the warehouse now. I was an IT guy, hated it. So now I'm in the warehouse just moving boxes. And there's interesting characters up there. But one guy, I don't know how he ended up on the subject, but he's like, yeah, if I walked into a church, I would get struck by lightning. And I had to stop him. I was like, what? And I give him the grace. He's probably never read a Bible in his life. But most of us still, some Christians today, read the Bible and still think God at some point is going to strike us with lightning. It is completely opposite of that. We don't see, when Jesus tells the prodigal son's story, we don't see the prodigal, the father, running to him with open arms and stop and go, wait a second, you smell like pigs. Were you with, like, the unclean animals and you ate their food? Never mind. We don't see that, but we come to God like that. He embraced him. He ran looking for that embrace. He didn't wait for him to come to him. He ran looking for that embrace and called him a son again put a robe on him, and gave him a ring. That ring isn't just like a nice, pretty ring, like a wedding ring. That ring was a signet. That's your credit card back in the day. You buy something, you stamp that ring. Full access back to the Father's house. Full access. And I love, this story is actually told again in Mark. And Matthew leaves out this response of the lawyer. And so let's go to Mark 12, 32 through 34. And so we get past in, 30, or in 29 and 30 and 31, Jesus says basically the same thing to the guy. And it calls him a scribe here, but that's basically a lawyer. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength, to love one's neighbor as oneself, is much more than the whole burnt offering and sacrifices. We have to stop and think, this guy is a follower of the law. He's a lawyer. He knows the law. To throw out burnt sacrifice and offering, that's a whole system back then. Why did they offer burnt sacrifices and offerings? To atone for sin. And he's saying, never mind, this love thing is way better than that system we're in right now. And then Jesus says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So what's the kingdom of God then? Is it rules? Is it regulations? Is it an angry God waiting to punish us when we do bad? No, it's love. I challenge, I, I, like this is hard for, for me to get. I, I encourage you to start looking at God as a loving God. That's why I, I love worship today. Worship preached my whole sermon today. Worship did, and I, I'm, I picked one song for Kenny to do, but that song, Met by Love, like as tremendously impacted my life where we can run to him at any time he meets us with love. Growing up the church, I've been hammered with rules and regulations just because they didn't view grace as the Bible views grace. And so when I ran to Christ, I didn't think I was getting met by love. This wipes away shame. This wipes away fear. It's all about love. Because the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus, the slain lamb, showed love towards us.
And now we can approach him with boldness because of that. And so when I was 16, I went to acquire the fire for first time. Anyone go to acquire the fire here? People don't know what that is. It's a, it was a big youth event in like late 90s, early 2000s. It stopped. Uh, but uh, I went for the first time and God met me there. But on the way back, my view of God was still rule-keeping God. So on the way back, I get home, I throw out all my music that I deemed not holy. And back then it was probably Creed. <laughs> like, Creed, see ya. And then, I make myself sound like a dork right now, I played the Dragon Ball Z card game. Anyone play that? No one played that. It was a card game. You, like, lay things down, try to beat people. And I was like, these are demonic. <laughs> and so I shredded, like, $100 worth of cards. And everything, in my mind, everything was going right. And then one day, my brother made me really mad. I have a twin brother. Made me really mad, and I just started punching him. And all of a sudden, I became full of fear and shame. And I was like, I can't approach God now. I was so good at keeping the rules till just this point. I can't approach him. And I lived like that for years. Until I met Jared Ruddy who said, Ben, this is what grace is. And I was like, what? And it transformed my mind. And so this changes. This view of God and his love changes how we approach him, and it must change how we approach him. It doesn't matter how, how bad your day was. It doesn't matter that you cursed when you hit your thumb with a hammer. It doesn't matter if you got angry when someone like drove by you and cut you off. God doesn't care about that. God only cares if you love him, and he always shows that love to you, regardless of what happens. So now we can approach him boldly and with confidence because we realize he loves us no matter what. And there's that verse, we don't have to turn there, but it's in 1 John. And and we we say it all the time. I think we almost sang it today at one point. But it's perfect love casts out all fear. And we use that a lot of times. I use it when I watch horror movies. I'm like, please, 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 don't be scary to me. Love casts out all fear. That's why I don't watch horror movies. I use that verse as a base. But if you actually read that verse in context, you're like, wait a second, he's not talking about like a fearful situation. Yes, his love will help you overcome fear, but if you read it in context, you're like, he's talking about how we approach it. And so it's in the subtitle called God is Love, but let me read this to you. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fear has not been perfected in love. He's not talking about like a fearful situation. He's talking about how do you approach me? In fear? Thinking I'm going to punish you? And he's saying, have you experienced my love? Because if you really, truly experienced my love, you would approach me with boldness. You would approach me knowing that I could do anything for you. And we, blo- we block it. I do it all the time. I come into church. I call it like a kickstart in the morning. It takes me like 10 minutes to get into worship. Because I'm like, man, I go through my week. I was like, what did I do here? Did I curse? I was like, <laughs> like, and so like, it's hard for me sometimes to approach him. And then today I came in, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get going. In Germany, Martin brought up this point. In Germany, you can't start your car in the cold. It's a $700 fine. And I read a report this week that, you know what? Starting your car in the cold, even though it keeps your car warm, it actually adds 10 times more miles on your car than if you just get in your car and go. So I'm sitting in worship. I'm like, why don't I just get in the car and go? Why don't I just get here and go? 
What's holding me back? Do I need a kickstart? Do I need to warm it up? Do I need to say, okay, God, love me. But no, I go in with full love, with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. It's just silly how we've done it. And the veil, like, I love that picture of the veil. Because I just sat back there and thought to myself, how many times have I put that veil back up? How many times have I come here and said, I can't access you today, God, because I broke all these rules? And I want to, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Ben is up there, and he's saying, we can sin. And we can break all the rules, please hear me out. While, yes, his grace is so radical and scandalous, you can live a life of sin and come to him, and he'll still meet you there with love. When we love God, we don't sin. I love my wife, so I try to do things for my wife. She's not here, so she can't disagree with me. <laughs> but, like, and it's tough, because it's, like, it's just tough. But, like, when I love her, I try to clean the house. I'm terrible at it. She re-cleans after me. When I love her, I try to make dinner. And so when we love God, it's not motivated out of fear, but it's motivated out of his love for us. I stink and read all the Twilight books and my wife liked Twilight. I regret that deeply, but I did it because I loved her at the time and still love her. It was when we first dated, she's like, I love Twilight. I was like, good Lord. So I think Ashley had a few of the Twilight books when I moved up here. So I stayed up one night. I'm not kidding. From 10 o'clock at night till 6 in the morning, I read the whole Twilight series. And then I, I didn't go to bed. I went and bought Domino's at 10 a.m. in the morning down the street from Jesse Nash and ate it all. So I made some poor life decisions. <laughs> but why did I do that? Love. Her love motivated me to like, like the things she liked. And that's the best part about when we love God with everything. We start loving the things he loves. We start seeing our enemies, not as enemies, but as friends and neighbors. We start seeing sickness and can see healing. We start loving the things that we see Scranton, this depressed city, and we see prosperity. All because of his love. And so we can't sin, but we also can't turn our love into some moral set of rules again. We can't make love a moral set of rules. We can't be like, okay, I love you when I do this, this, and this. We cannot do that. We sang that song today, and I love, I didn't even know, Kenny picked three out of the four songs, and I was like, this song is so good for this part right here. I wrote it down as we were singing it. It says, his love is alive. It leads us into the way, the truth, and the life. It doesn't say his rules lead us into the way, the truth, and the life. His radical love for us, regardless of what we do, leads us into living the right way. When you realize there's no condition to his love, no rules, you're obviously going to go the right way. And let me tell you, the right way is a great thing. I'm not trying to make the sermon sound like don't follow those laws. Don't marry your wife's sister. <laughs> like, it makes sense. That was to create harmony and peace. When you follow the rules and the laws of God, it's nice. Life is good. When you leave those rules, it's pure hell. That's the fear of God, knowing that without him, your sin will catch up to you. But knowing that he loves you and if he will work with you on this, you can make mistakes, that's life-changing. Life-changing. And so, what time is it? Oh, good. We're going to get out here at 11. If the worship team wants to come up. I'm sweating, and it's not because I'm, <laughs> I'm like, wow, I need to go home. <laughs> I'm glad, Melissa, I'm glad a medical student is here today because I'd be in trouble. Yeah. But in the beginning, I stated how this was a word for this year. And I know, I know you're like, wow, he's talking about God's love. Well, that's a concept 
It's been around forever. Let's get God's love. Let's go on this journey this year from law to love. Let's not approach him in fear that he's going to punish us. Let's approach him in boldness, knowing that he's meeting us there with love. When that line says we can lift our hands to heaven full of faith, that's faith for anything. Why? Because he's always there showing his face. He's always there doing what he needs to do. That's healing. That's praying for your family members to get saved. Half my family isn't saved. And I thought about this like last year because my dad's whole side of the family isn't saved. I was like, what am I holding back my boldness in that for? Why am I not approaching it with faith saying, you know what, God, you can save my whole family. Because I was living a life where I thought I wasn't qualified and worthy of coming to him with that request. His love takes it away. So this year, let's approach him boldly. Let's pray for the city without fear, but with faith. Let's pray for our family members without fear, but faith. Let's realize that the love of God is what motivates us. It's agape love, unconditional love. You go out here today, curse outside the doors. I'm not encouraging you to do that. He still meets you right there. Where sin abounds, grace abounds so much more. That's the craziest verse in the Bible, because he's basically saying if you sin a lot, grace is going to meet you there more than if you didn't sin. Don't do it, but that's how radical and scandalous this love is. And we need to get this in us. Are we building a veil of law back in our lives? Are we coming and entering to his presence with love? When when he said, Father, forgive them, that's the final act of love. He didn't stop and say, Father, forgive Jesse. Uh, But Ben said my name in vain the other day. Don't forgive him. He forgave everybody. The people that were killing him, he forgave them. Anyone else can do that here? No. Why? Because it's radical, scandalous, reckless love that he meets us with every time. And if we don't get that, we're going to live a life of fear. We're not going to fully understand who we are. If you live in fear, that verse said we are not perfected in love. So today I encourage you, if you guys want to stand up as you go into worship, I know the one part of this is maybe you've never felt the love of God. Maybe you haven't met him. Maybe he hasn't really, you haven't been bold enough to come to him and say, God, just unleash your love on me. Because we're so afraid of our past, we're so afraid of what we've done, that we can't do that. Today I encourage you as we go into this song to say, God, let me experience your love. I want to experience this unconditional love so I can in turn love you unconditionally with everything, my mind, my being, everything. I encourage you, it's tough. I struggled with, like I said, in that one, a few months ago, I sat back there and struggled with experiences of love because the situations of my life told me otherwise. And I had to press through that and say, God, you know what? Show it to me. He's willing to take a a scalpel to everyone's heart here today and peel off those hard layers and overflow you with love. Don't just think our Christian life and our Sundays rule-keeping. Let's be vulnerable this year with him and with others. This is the year of love. And that sounds crazy. It sounds like we're in the 60s, but this is the year of knowing God's love for us so we can start boldly approaching him and asking him for things. There's no fear. There's no shame anymore. Let's pray. Well, we're so grateful, God for your unconditional love for us. God, I pray today that anyone here, including myself, that sometimes doesn't experience your love, God, you would overflow this room with your love. We would see your goodness today, Lord. God, I'm so grateful for who you are, God. That your, your last, one of your last breaths on the cross was forgiveness, God. Let's approach you today with full boldness, God, not fear, not shame, Lord, knowing that your love is unconditional, God. And let in turn, let's love you without limits. Let our lives point to you. Let our actions point to you today, God. 
God, tear down this veil of law we've constructed in the front of our face. God, and meet us here with love today, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, God. I pray for any healing that needs to take place in this place today. Any, any sickness, any mental health issues, God, that they're afraid that you won't heal them because they, they're afraid that they made too many mistakes. God, I pray just your love and your healing to overflow that today, Lord. Any addiction issues today, God, that your love and your healing would overflow that person today, Lord. God, I pray for all our unsafe family members, our coworkers, God, that you would overwhelm them with your love, God. They wouldn't be worried about getting struck in lightning when they come into this building, God. They would be joyous and want to worship you, God. God, help us to love you with everything. Let our deepest thought, let it, when we run out of all reason, God, let us still say we love you, Lord, regardless of circumstance, God. Why? Because you love us. We're so grateful for who you are, God. We're so grateful for this radical, scandalous, and reckless love you displayed for us, God. Let us now display that to others. Let us now view ourselves in that love as well, God. Thank you, Lord.